Matthew chapter 7, uh, but this week was a little wonky and I didn't have time to put into it that I wanted to put into it. Of course, when you get to Matthew chapter 7, it's judge not that you be not judged. We want to spend some time on that. Uh, that I just didn't have time to get things ready. So um, just like, a, you know, if a mom is busy fixing, you know, working, she may not have time to get a meal from scratch, but she always manages to get you fed one way or the other, right? It might be a TV dinner. Uh, might be something out of the freezer. Um, well, this is kind of out of the freezer, okay, or out of the file cabinet um, that uh, we're going to work on this morning. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 2. It's prayer and your mission. Prayer and your mission. Uh, follow along. Uh, let's begin in verse 1. We'll read verses 1 and 2, where uh, it says, After these things, in Luke 10, verse 1, After these things the Lord appointed others, 70 also, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place, whither he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Now this is a common, uh, common missions theme, a common evangelism passage that we want to look at from just a slightly different perspective here. Um, now, I think that we do understand that a, a, a prayer for laborers is a prayer for laborers. It's a, it's a prayer for those who, who will evangelize the friends and the family and the neighbors and the coworkers. Uh, I think we need to understand that not only are we supposed to pray for the laborers in the field, we are to pray for more laborers to go into the field. I mean, you ever wonder where these laborers might come from? There's, there's not a laborer tree somewhere that, that when they get ripe, they just fall off of, right? There isn't a big gumball machine someplace where when, you know, the Lord decides that, that he needs a laborer someplace, he cranks the handle and out rolls the laborer and they go to that particular place. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Laborers come from church chairs. Okay? Laborers come from the congregations of Bible-believing churches. Uh, they, 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 they come from, from us. Okay? We, we are these laborers. Now, now, why are we to pray for laborers to be sent into the harvest? Why are we to pray for more laborers? Well, the easy answer is because God said so. All right? And if that was all there is to it, we could be done, have lunch, and go home. Uh, but there's other reasons involved in this. First of all, uh, God says that the road to hell is wide. And this road to hell is very easy to find. He says most people will take this wide, easy road to hell. Uh, matter of fact, all they have to do is nothing. And there they are. He continues and says that the way to heaven is, is hard to find. It's narrow. Uh, he says that there will be few in comparison that find this narrow road. But God also says that the only way that people find this, this hard, narrow road to heaven is, is, is if they're told about it. Somebody has to preach to them, uh, teach them. Nobody is saved in a vacuum or, or in the absence of, of the word of God. Um, even the stories that, that, that we hear, and we pray that they are true, that there are Muslims who have never seen a Bible are coming to Christ. 
Right now, now the story also goes that that they they learned about Jesus in a dream uh, or a vision of some kind, which means even in that case, if it be true, and we pray that it's true, the word of God came to them in some form or fashion. Nobody is saved in a vacuum of the word of God. Remember Romans chapter 10, verses 12 to 15? It says this, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever, verse 13, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then verse 14 continues, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? See, somebody has to tell them. And even when, every, even when they're told, not everybody is going to get saved, but they must be told. If someone is going to find this, this, this narrow way, which is and is only Jesus Christ, they must be told the gospel. Somebody must tell them. And if they are not told the gospel, they have absolutely no chance of finding Jesus Christ as their Savior. People continue on the wide road to hell when Christians, when you and I do not preach to them, so to speak, the good news of Jesus Christ. So here it is. People are going to hell, already condemned in their sin. And only the blood of Jesus can wash their sins away. See, you know whose blood they need. You know what they need to know to find this narrow road to heaven. See, you, you know what is wrong. And if there is something wrong, those who have the ability to take action have the responsibility to take action. And let me say that again. If there is something wrong, those who have the ability to take action have the responsibility to take action. So why then are we not praying for more laborers to be sent in the field? I think it's because there's a a misunderstanding of the relationship between prayer and evangelism. Just like a husband can misunderstand the relationship between a thoughtless comment at breakfast and a night on the couch that evening. Or just like a child can misunderstand the relationship between you know, fingerprints and grandma's new tablecloth. Or just like a wife can misunderstand the relationship between her man's desire to fix things and his ability to fix things. Maybe we've misunderstood the relationship that exists between prayer and laboring in the field or prayer and evangelism or prayer and preaching the gospel. Now we've not misunderstood that there is truly a great harvest. I think we get that. I mean, we've not run out of lost people to preach to. We, we know this. We can look at the animal-like behavior at the gangs and looters, the marauders, and the political riots that we see today, and we cannot with a straight face say that we have a shortage of sinners. I mean, can, can we read where the Islamic extremists were rejoicing at the various devastations of the hurricanes and the wildfires, saying that they were sent by Allah against the evil West and think that there aren't enough sinners to go around? Can we read our own newspaper? Can we listen to 
our own news broadcasts and, and, and miss that, that, that most, uh, grossly most of the, of the what, 7.3 or 4 billion people on the planet are lost? I think we, I think we understand that. We've not misunderstood that God still calls people into his service. We get that God has not stopped recruiting. We know that God uses means to convey grace, and we know that he uses means to get the word out about his grace. And one of the means that he uses is us. I mean, after all, when we are commanded to pray for something, we can rest well assured that that's the kind of prayer that is going to be answered. I mean, when God says, you pray for this, uh, there's every confidence that he wants to, and he will answer that prayer. You know, the Great Commission is still commanded, go ye therefore, Matthew chapter 28. Really, it's, it's almost as you are going into the world. You teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That is, that is reproducing yourself uh, in Christ into somebody else. It's making disciples. It is winning them and training them to win others, to train them to win others. See, we Christians are the ones who, who, who God commands to go and to preach and to teach. Now, this too we understand. Uh, he has commanded every Christian, every Christian, to loudly and, and, and regularly proclaim the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We may not like it. We may not want to do it. But we get that that's what God wants, to, wants us to do. I think we understand that laborers are few. I think we understand that we've kind of dropped the ball, we've kind of shirked our responsibility, that we've not witnessed the way we should. Uh, people aren't surrendering to missions the way they used to. Let me give you some information. I'm, I'm, you guys know that I'm technically a missionary with the Baptist Bible Fellowship International. The stats I'm going to give you are the same with the Southern Baptist, uh, with BIMI, uh, mid-missions I think has, has, has the same. Within the next five years, 80% of our missionaries are going to be 60 years old or older. Now, I'm sad to say I'm in one of those statistics. In less than five years, I'm going to be 60 years old. Yikes. Do I look 60 to you? I know, right? Yeah, it's great. Um, can't get up out of the couch, but I look good, right? No, the attrition rate of the missionaries leaving used to be uh, you know, less than those coming in. We had more coming in than we had going out. Right now, the attrition rate's about equal to the influx. If this trend continues, there's going to be more leaving than new missionaries coming in. I think we understand that there's a shortage of those surrendering to serve God in other places than what they're comfortable. And we know that we don't tell our friends and neighbors about Christ like we should. And you think, where is this church going to be in 20 years if, if we do not evangelize our friends and neighbors and coworkers? We, we get that 
often our coworkers may not even know we go to church. And I think we, uh, we comprehend that, that the people we see day in and day out, they're going to hell, and we're afraid to lift a finger to do anything about that. We understand the laborers are few because we're some of the ones that aren't laboring. We understand this. But I think we have misunderstood the relationship between prayer and laboring in the field, prayer and evangelizing, prayer and telling our friends and family about Christ. And part of what we have misunderstood here is that life is war. We are in a war right now. And we cannot understand what prayer is for until we know that life is war. Now, that's not all life is, but life is absolutely a war. See, spiritual warfare is real. And every aspect of our life, if we know Jesus as, as our Savior, every aspect of our life is spiritual. There's no way to divide the two. The world, the devil, our own sinful flesh is at war with the holy Lord God Almighty. And our weakness in prayer is owning largely to our neglect of the truth that we are in a war. Our enemy gets it. We tend to forget. See, laboring for the lost is given to us really as a, as a field for prayer. If you want to look in John chapter 15, um, I'm going to read it to you, but if you want to look there, we see the connection between prayer and laboring. Uh, it doesn't use warfare words, but it deals with, with the same reality. See, in John 15, 6, I'm just going to kind of read parts of it here. It says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask in the Father's name, he may give it you. Now, the logic of the sentence is crucial here. Why is the Father going to give the disciples what they ask for in Jesus' name? Well, the answer is this, because they have been sent to bear fruit. The reason the Father gives the disciples the instrument of prayer is because Jesus has given them a mission. In fact, the grammar of John 15, 16 implies that the reason that Jesus gave them this mission in the first place is so that they could use or have the ability to take advantage of the power of prayer. I have chosen you that you should go and bring forth fruit, that whatsoever you ask in my Father's name, he may give it you. It's another way of saying this, that prayer for us is a wartime walkie-talkie. God designed it. He gave it to us for use on our mission. And you can say that the mission is to bear fruit, you should say that the mission is to set the captives free. You can say that the mission is to preach the gospel. You can say the mission is to witness to the lost. However you want to phrase that. The point is this, that prayer is designed to extend the kingdom of God into fruitless enemy territory and bear fruit. Now, the number one reason I think that uh, prayer malfunctions in the hands of believers is that we try to turn this wartime walkie-talkie 
into a domestic intercom. And until we know, until we believe that life is war, we will misuse prayer. Prayer is for the accomplishment of our mission. Prayer is for the accomplishment of bearing fruit. It's as though the field commander, Jesus, has called us troops in and he's given us a crucial mission. Go and bear fruit. Win the lost. Preach the gospel. And, 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 and he's handed then each, each of us these, these personal transmitters coded to the frequency of the general's headquarters. And he's pulled us together, and we have our pre-mission briefing here. And he says, soldiers, the general has a mission for you, and he aims to see it accomplished. And to that end, he's authorized me, Jesus, to give each of you, that's us, personal access to him through these transmitters. And he says, if you stay true to his mission and seek his victory first, he will always be as close as your transmitter. To give tactical advice, to send air cover, suppressing fire whenever you need it. But I think what's happened is we've, we've stopped believing that we're in a war. There's no urgency no watching, no, no vigilance, no strategic planning, just, you know, we're looking for easy peace and, and, and prosperity. And then what do we do with these, with these walkie-talkies? Well, we tried to, to rig them up as an intercom in our houses, in our cabins, in our boats, in our cars, not to call firepower for the conflict with this mortal enemy, but to ask for more comfort and more toys and an easier life. We're using our wartime walkie-talkie to call upstairs for a bag of chips and a Diet Coke. It has nothing to do with helping us in our present uh, mission of pressing into enemy territory to rescue the captives and to set them free. Do you see how we've, we've misunderstood the relationship between prayer and laboring? We, we must pray for new soldiers. We must pray for new recruits, if you will. We must pray for laborers, and we must entertain the certainty that the commander will send us into the fray. Maybe we're afraid of being the answer to our own prayer. Maybe we're afraid of leaving our comfort zone. Maybe we're too fat and happy with our 2.3 children and our two cars and our second mortgages and new clothes and all that kind of stuff? Have we, have we heaped to ourselves circles of like-minded friends who console us in our disobedience? Oh, it's okay. I know it's hard to talk to people. Jesus never said it's okay not to if it's hard. Jesus never said it's okay not to if it makes you uncomfortable. Maybe we've just become hard-hearted, cold, unloving, uncaring, prideful, self-absorbed. We decided to take our will back from God. He says, no, I'll do what I want. Maybe we think we can take better care of ourselves at home than God can take care of us out in the field. That's some foolish thinking. 
If God calls us to the battle, and he has called us to the battle, then we are safer in obedience to the Lord facing the enemy than we are staying at home in disobedience. I'll tell you a story about my dad. I thought you were going to meet him this January, but with my mom having the issues, I don't think you're going to have a chance to meet him. Nice guy. Interesting, but nice. All right. But when Becky and I were at that point in our lives when we were searching for God's will, my dad was determined to make sure that once Becky and I had surrendered to the mission field that his grandkids would not go to a country in Africa or some other third world country. Now, we, we didn't realize his thinking until after we committed to Alaska, then, then he told us. But having been over there and seeing through unsaved eyes, he was sure that that's nowhere he wanted his little granddaughters to be. And, and he said he was going to threaten legal action should we think to take him there. Now, I don't know what that legal action would have been, uh, but we had to with respect. You know, Dad, no, you got to back off. You know, the, this is our decision. We have to obey God. We, we, we can't put you above God. He was just worried about his grandkids. All right? He... He thought that his grandkids would be, would be safer in America out of God's will than in a foreign country in God's will. And it never works like that. You are never safe in disobedience. And we have been commanded to take the gospel to the lost out into the field. And we are not safe in our disobedience. See, harvests, they don't harvest themselves. I've got some raspberries out in my backyard that I've not had time to attend to the way I've wanted to. And you know, they don't make their own way to my freezer. No, they get kind of fat and soft. They get a little bit moldy. They fall off onto the deck. And then the two little mice I have living out there that I see from time to time, or the birds will come and, and eat whatever's left of them. But they go to waste. Because harvests don't harvest themselves. People don't surrender to the call of God who have never trusted Jesus as their Savior. Unsaved church people have no business trying to do the work of God. Now, my dad has seen how God has provided for us, and he is starting to understand that it's better to do things God's way than his. And that doesn't sound like much, but if you know my dad, that is monumental. All right. But here's, here, here's the bottom line. You, you pray irregardless. And then you send, or you pray and you go. We can be real creative. You can pray and send and go. But everyone, everyone is to pray for more laborers to go into the field. 
You send those who go where you can't go, and you go where you can. That is our responsibility. The command to pray for laborers stands. The commander wants to send soldiers to the front lines. Be careful. Don't be the hang-up. Don't, don't be the deserter. Don't be the Christian who won't pray for laborers so the gospel can be preached. Don't be the child of God who, who refuses to go where God sends you. Don't be afraid the possibility of being the answer to your own prayer. You know, your front lines are going to be different than mine, right? Um, you may not be able to go to a mission field, uh, but you can go somewhere, right? I mean, you, you could go to a Sunday school class. You can walk across your yard. You can walk across the street. You can speak to somebody across a counter. Uh, you, can, you can talk to somebody in the checkout line. Uh, you can look across. You can walk across a room. That you can do. Now remember, where, where are the future missionaries going to come from? Where are the new recruits going to come from? Remember the figures? 80% of the foreign missionaries 60 years or older in less than five years. Where are the replacements going to come from? How are the lost here without a preacher? And how will they preach except they be sent? We need to revitalize in earnest our prayer for laborers and our prayer for fruit for the laborers because time time is short harvest is great workers are needed and they're needed now so the question that is begging to be asked is will you go into the field and labor for the lord i mean he he is sending you to tell them uh, will you give so others can go where you can't? We, we have a very small missions budget in, in this church. That, that could grow above and beyond your tithes and stuff. Uh, there's more we could do to be involved in preaching the gospel to other parts of the planet. You can be part of the supply line here. Will you pray so others will be sent to where they are needed? If God is not calling you and God does not call everyone to go someplace else, if he does not call you to go someplace else, can you stay here and can you pray for them? Will you call in air support? Will you pray down cover fire for those soldiers that are being viciously attacked by the enemy right now? We can do that. It's kind of a will you give or will you go, but no, you have to give and you have to go. You have to go where you can go and sin where you can't. And we have to be. We have to be accepting of the guarantee God is going to use you to answer your prayer. We have a neighbor, Cassie, with two daughters, Eliciana and uh, Leslie. 
And we've been just trying to be friends with them. As God gives us opportunity, we invite them to church, we witness to them. She has an ex-husband whose name is Ray. Uh, and, and, and Ray needs your prayers right now. Um, we've, been, we've been trying to get them to come. Talked to her the other day. She says, you know, the girls have been wanting to go back to church. They, they visited her once. I said, well, great, you know, Becky can come back and, 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 and pick them up because we have to go a little bit early. And she goes, well, you know, I, 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 just might, I just might go ahead and bring them myself. I haven't been to church in a while. Answer to prayer. God answers those kinds of prayer. Help me speak to my neighbor. Help me present the gospel to my friends. We're praying according to God's will. How can he not answer that prayer? We are the laborers that go into the field. Man, are you going to pray or what? God has decided in his wisdom to limit the spread of the gospel with us. If they don't if they don't get told it's because we haven't told them. We've got to tell them. We've got to tell them. Stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, this morning you tell us to pray for laborers, to go and to bear fruit, to preach the gospel, to share Christ, just to tell hungry, thirsty people where there's food and water. Lord, we understand you are the Lord of the harvest. You you harvest, Lord. We just work. But Father, we want to be good laborers for you. We want to hear the well done, thou good and faithful servant. We don't want to be the ones that, by neglect, don't fulfill your command to go and to labor. So, Father, I pray that you would embolden us, empower us. Give us that sense of urgency. As your word says that the harvest, the harvest is great. But they're fallen off the vine. Lord, please use us to catch them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And Mike, would you come ahead?